Hey, folks, if you've been listening to our show, you've probably heard Victor talk about Hillsdale College. It's one of the few colleges in the U.S. still interested in teaching truth. What you probably didn't know is that they have over 40 free online courses. And Victor is one of the professors in three of those courses, American Citizenship and its Decline, based on Victor's book, The Dying Citizen, How Progressive Elites, Tribalism, and Globalization Are Destroying the Idea of America, The Second World Wars, based on his book by the same name, and Athens and Sparta, partly based on his book, A War Like No Other, How the Athenians and Spartans Fought the Peloponnesian War. Don't you wish Victor would have been one of your professors in college? Well, now you can join him as he covers some of the main ideas of his books with Hillsdale College's online courses, all available for free. That's right, for free. The courses are seven to nine episodes long, and they are self-spaced, so you can take them whenever and wherever. I think I'm going to start with American Citizenship and Its Decline, where Victor explores the history of citizenship in the West and the threats it faces today. Threats like the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of an unaccountable deep state, and the rise of globalist organizations. Hey, start your free course with Victor Davis Hansen today. Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash vdh to start. It's free and it's easy to get started. That's hillsdale.edu slash vdh to start. hillsdale.edu slash vdh. <laughs> Hello, ladies. Hello, gentlemen. This is the Victor Davis Hanson Show. I'm Jack Fowler, the host, the star and the namesake. Victor Davis Hanson is the Martin and Ely Anderson Senior Fellow at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marsha Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. He's a best-selling author. Everything he writes can be found at victorhanson.com, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. The first thing we're going to talk about on today's program Aside from when we get back from this little break, we'll talk about the correction of things technical, which has irked any number of our listeners who we appreciate you hanging in there. We'll talk about the January 6th uh, hearings, the special select committee hearings that were primetime last week, and then Donald Trump's reaction to those. And we'll talk about plenty of other things. But first, we've got some important messages for you to hear. And here they are. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh, Never Frozen Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious Great tasting meals. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? For our listeners, Factor is giving you 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month when you use the promo code VICTOR50 
at factormeals.com slash victor50. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat well-balanced. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Remember, to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month, head to factormeals.com slash victor50, that's V-I-C-T-O-R-5-0, and use the code victor50, that's code victor50, at factormeals.com slash victor50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Can't pay the IRS? Haven't filed in a while? Receiving threatening letters? Yeah, it's about to get worse. The IRS is hiring an army of agents targeting hardworking Americans like you. You need warriors on your side. You need Tax Network USA. Tax Network USA has brilliant strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. For instance, They've discovered a limited-time special offer that the IRS is willing to waive $1 billion in penalties. Find out if you qualify before it's too late. Never call the IRS alone. Let Tax Network USA attorneys handle it. They have preferred direct lines to the IRS. They know which agents to work with and which to avoid. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts and offer a best-in-class guarantee. Schedule your free consultation now. Call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit TNUSA.com slash Victor. TNUSA.com slash Victor. We're back with the... Victor Davis Hanson show. So, Victor, let's talk about the January 6th hearings. But when you speak, I know our listeners are going to hear no snap, crackle and pop. No sounds like casino chips or whatever. There were any number of comments. Victor, want to tell us a little bit about how you uh, finagled a correction here and then we'll uh, get on to the sixth hearings. Well, it was, I couldn't hear it on my end. And I thought that it, it had been solved. I, I sit up in this old house on a desk full of wires with a microphone computer and then a kind of an amplifier and what happened apparently was i plugged the mic in uh, the mic went to the amplifier went to a power source then into the computer and those connections one had an adapter it's typical victor i wish i could plead that i kind of got long covid and i was rustling around and that's kind of a wimp out. It was my fault because I had too many wires. So I went online and I, I researched it. And then I just found that if I plugged the transform the amplifier directly into the computer and I bought a new computer. So this is the first one, Jack, that we're on a new computer. And I think we won't hear it anymore. I'm so pretty a, sure we won't. Yeah, I'm, pretty sure. I'm sorry I've to everybody, been... it's, but yeah. I appreciate sticking with us. But I'm sure that I mean, I have some skills in farming and mechanics, <laughs> but electronics. Other plumbing, than, you know, plumbing, not, come on. Yeah, plumbing. And I know the difference between yeah. 12, 12, 2 and 12, 4 Romex, <laughs> but I don't understand microphones and stuff. And yeah, but that's, that was part of the problem. But well, you know, and I know that it, it turned off a lot of people and I didn't realize it 
uh, and then I was in Israel, so I didn't, and that we did those in head. So the problem, once I understood it, it had kind of, mo- you know, momentum and we couldn't stop it because I wasn't here. When I'm here, I'm not here until I get over this plague. So it, that's the perfect storm is what happened, but it won't well, happen. It won't happen again. See, they, you see a problem, you fix it. Unlike the president of the United States, but let's first talk. Here, about here's the deal, president. Jack. It, okay. It, Putin sure. did it. I didn't do it. <laughs> okay. Maybe he did, Victor. You never know. Uh, so, Victor, we're going to talk about the, uh, you're going to talk about the, the uh, House Select Committee, Special Committee, uh, January 6th attack on the Capitol, prime time hearings this week, manufactured or produced by some ABC star producer i i I don't i don't remember the guy's name but this was supposed to be some some visual extravaganza that was going to grab america by the lapels and shake it this is really the most important thing going on according to i think his name is raskin the house one of the house members of the committee a democrat from maryland a guy that needs a haircut Uh, it was going to blow the dome off the capitol so victor there were these hearings were they a dud or were they consequential from the political perspective of the Democrats who are hoping that this these public hearings are going to save their uh, political neck come November? It's not going to save their neck because the people who went gaga over it are the 35% who still think Joe Biden's doing a great job and they're delusional. And it had a Soviet tinge to it. It was a show trial. But, and what do I mean by that? I don't want to just throw out you know, accusations, Soviet this, Orwellian that, just, I'd like everybody to take a pause for a second and ask yourself the following. So there was a lot of acts of uh, unlawfulness in the Capitol. A lot of it was buffoonish. It looked like a, a nutty group of people. They weren't armed. They didn't kill anybody. Five of them got killed or died. But what if you did the following, Jack? What if in a bipartisan sense, Speaker Pelosi went to Kevin McCarthy, as always happens in a bipartisan uh, investigative House committee, the Speaker and the Minority Leader get together, and there is a one-person majority for the dominant party, and she said she got her seven or eight or nine, depending on what the size of the committee, Democrats, and McCarthy picked his Republicans, and they did it, just like Devin Nunes on the Senate, the House Intelligence Committee, but she didn't do that. For the, one of the rare times in the history of the House of Representatives, she had the power, but it's rarely invoked because you can see what will happen if it's invoked. And we'll see what's going to happen when the Republicans take the House and whoever is the minority leader and the Democrats sends Kevin McCarthy names like the squad, those four members, and said, we want them on this committee. And he may say, no, not for a year, not for two years. Are you going to do that for what you guys did? And so. What, what did they do? They wouldn't let Republicans serve. Anybody that they thought might be critical of what they were doing, they wouldn't let. So who did they put on? They went through the list of 10 House members who had voted to impeach Donald Trump, and they found two, two people, Kinsinger and uh, Cheney, who were not going to be viable in November, this November. Neither one. One's not going to run, and Liz Cheney is not going to win the Republic. She may run as an independent, but she will lose. And so that polluted the entire thing. But think of had they not done that. 
It would be a regular committee. So what would they be doing? The Democrats would be saying, we want the email uh, communications between Trump and his staff if they're not, ex you know, executive privilege, that fight. Or we want capital people to come in. And then the Republicans would have said, we want to know, they would call in Christopher Ray, and they would say, how many FBI informants were on the Capitol grounds that day. And then the Democrats would say, well, you know, and they would go after Mark Meadows or they go after Peter Navarro. And then the Republicans would call their witnesses and they would say, why was Ashley Babbitt, an unarmed woman, shot for the misdemeanor of entering a window? And why was this officer, Mr. Officer Byrd's name withheld from the public? And did he have a prior record of professional laxity? And then they would argue about this. And then that's why how it would do. And that would be the first five days. And the committee would not be the January 6th. It would be the committee to investigate organized rioting on the Capitol or the White House grounds. And then this, that would be five days. And then the next five days would be the 120 days of rioting in 2020. And specifically, the attack on officers and the crowd that broke, the BLM Antifa crowd that broke and threatened to get into the White House lawn and required the evacuation of a president. And there were a lot of injuries and a historic church was partially burned. And then they would investigate that. And it would be called investigations of political groups attacking the Capitol or the White House ground. And you know what? They might have had a Watergate audience. But this, this is a, this is pathetic. It, it's just a show trial. It was produced by a Hollywood producer. And it's going to really rev up the 35%. Network News carried it. They got a hit on their ratings. I think cable ratings that bragged that they went up, MSNBC, and C, but they were so far down. I mean, if it's a question of watching Joy Reid or, or watching clips from a Hollywood producer, most people will take the Hollywood producer's finished product. Well, Victor, um, trying to um, invigorate a nation on a political matter that it, it's already psychologically dealt with for a year and a half, while their attention is really focused on the fact that uh, I just filled up my, my car and it cost 100 bucks. I can't afford to buy meat this week is I did uh, two ten in my pickup, thirty gallons, seven dollars a gallon. Damn. Diesel fuel. Wow. Well, Donald Trump reacted to these hearings, Victor. So let's talk about I'm going to read two things he wrote on his uh, Truth Social site. And uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on what he said. But also, I was a little troubled personally by one in particular, and maybe others were, maybe you were, I'm not sure, but maybe some of the potential political consequences for how Donald Trump has reacted. So here's, here's the first thing he wrote. He said, the unselect committee of political thugs, essentially the same group that brought you the now fully debunked and discredited Russia, Russia, Russia hoax, and many others, refuse to study and report on the massive amount of irrefutable evidence, much of it recently produced, that shows the 2020 presidential election was rigged and stolen. They want nothing to do with that topic because they cannot win on the facts. Cancel and deny. Call it the big lie is all they do. Corrupt politicians, exclamation point. So that's the first one. The second one, and this to me has a little more troubling content in it. The unselect committee 
didn't spend one minute studying the reason that people went to Washington, D.C. in massive numbers, far greater than the fake news media is willing to report or that the unselects are willing to even mention, because January 6th was not simply a protest. It represented the greatest movement in the history of our country to make America great again. It was about an election that was rigged and stolen and a country that was about to go to hell and look at our country now. Can't disagree with that last part. I mean, in a handbasket, thanks to Joe. So Donald Trump's reacted. What are your thoughts about how he responded to it? And did he maybe, uh, I don't know, not do himself any political favors, long-term favors in his comments? Well, Donald Trump is reaching a critical phase because he's been given a great gift. We've been given a great tragedy, and that's the Biden administration. But politically, that has seen Trump's positives go up. And of course, now he in a head to head contest with Biden, who will not be the Democratic nominee. Well, trust me, Trump wins. But he's reaching a critical point now as we approach the midterm. If we get a big blowout, I'm convinced he's going to run. If it's 10, 12 seat pickup, I'm not so convinced. But nevertheless, he is a de facto head of the party. And he's been given enormous political heft with this utter abject destruction of America in the last 18, 17 months. It's just incredible what they've done. And we don't need to go through that recitation. But it's now been also a long, long time. It's, you know, it's 18 months since the inauguration and it's longer since the election. We all know that when you have 102 million early and mail-in ballots and laws have been changed in key states and Mark Zuckerberg injects $419 million and others add in to that pile that you're going to have a suspicious election. And so if you have the error rate, as I've said so many times, and typical elections in most states report their error rate, that is people who send in ballots with incomplete names or false addresses, or they weren't registered, or the registration information doesn't match the signature, whatever it is, that rate can go from three to 5%. If that goes down to 0.3 or 0.4, that's a magnitude of 10. And when you get up to 102 million ballots, and I know that people like Nate Silver have tried to contextualize this, but simple logic says, when you increase the number of non-election ballots by a magnitude of two to four, and you decrease the rejection rate by a magnitude of 10, you're talking you know, you're talking about anywhere from four to six million ballots that would have been rejected. Now, that's a legitimate criticism. I'm not going to get into all the others. And Trump should have just focused on that. And now and he did a, he did a service by drawing attention so that we're going to we have a, thousands of people who are now enlisting in the midterms as poll watchers and et cetera. And that was good. But if he's going to be the leader of the party then he has to give a contract with America. He's got, and it can't just be, I'm going to get gas prices. The other day, somebody from this pack or something said, get, we need to know how we're going to do what I, Donald Trump, am going to increase oil production by 2 million barrels by 
ANWR, new federal leases, et cetera. I am going to talk to the frackers and horizontal and make sure they have financing. Okay. I'm going to get a million barrels by green lighting Keystone from Canada. Okay. I'm going to et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He needs to say that. This is what I'm going to do about inflation. We're going to be into some rough times when the inflation rate is high at eight or nine, whether we like it or not, to bring it down, the interest rates have to be one point higher. They're not. They're about five points lower. So we're going to have to have a shock therapy, and it's not going to be pretty. Number three, we don't have a border, and this is how I'm going to, to stop it. I am going to complete the new sections of the wall. I've already rebuilt the old section, but I never did. When I talk about the wall, I was inexact. I've got to go all the way across the Texas border. And that's going to be less money. It's going to be expensive, but less money than when you, we gave Ukraine. And then he's going to have to say, we're going to restore U.S. deterrence. There's going to be no better friend and no worse enemy. We're going to protect our friends and, and we're going to try to persuade neutrals. But if anybody screws around with us, they, they better watch out. And we're not going to pick fights with nuclear powers, but we're also going to restore deterrence. And he needs to do that across the board. He needs to say, we're going to go back to the Martin Luther King vision of integration assimilation. We're not going to go down this tribal route. And he's going to, and he gets, gets detailed and he would be, he would win in a landslide. But if he continues to dwell and say, and I, I understand I, as a person who couldn't even get over COVID yet, seven weeks, I, I don't know how physically he's 10 years older than I am. He went through what Mueller did to him, what the left did to him on Ukraine. There's no doubt about it. The lies, it would have destroyed any other person get without his physical hardiness and resilience and combativeness. Okay. But at this point, he's the antithesis to the Biden disaster. So he either says, I've spoken my piece about these people. They're crazy. I understand that he'd use some tough, but from now on, we're going to talk about how not to uh, get in a tit for tat with them, but how to undo their damage and go back to the successful record I have. And I can do it. If he would do that, Jack, people would close ranks. But what he's doing when all this comes out in the media and he feeds that, it creates a scenario where the average Republican voter or conservative or traditionalist who's list or independent who's listening to this says to themselves, I like his combativeness. I'm not sure anybody will do damage to the left that needs to be do damage to them, but I am exhausted and I don't know if I can go through this craziness again. I want somebody who has the Trump agenda, who doesn't back off from a fight, who defeats the left culturally, economically, socially, politically, but is wise enough not to expend one ounce of extra energy getting into a tit for tat social media war or use, you know, uh, vocabulary that becomes the focus and doesn't, we don't want anybody fueling the left. Not that they won't be fueled, but they won't, they'll try to run at full speed, but if you don't give them enough fuel, they won't be as effective. So that's where we are right now. And everybody is watching Trump. And I think right now 
he's got to pivot immediately and start talking about a detailed plan of action and the type of people he wants around him if, and the type of justices he wants to appoint again. The biggest thing that helped him in 2016 was the Federal Society list of judges. And people said, this is a serious candidate. Right. Absolutely. He needs to go back to that. He doesn't need Kellyanne Conway and all these people juggling around saying, we're going to endorse this person and this person and this person. He's got so many political operatives out there operating in these primaries. And we don't even know if they're being given recompense for winning an endorsement, if there's an incentive. But it's just mind boggling why you endorse this candidate, not this candidate, not this candidate. And right. he needs to just... Elevate himself, the, yeah. elevate himself above. Right. I don't that. see the upside as much, much more downside from playing that, you know, endless endorsement game than there is. I, I don't see much upside. Victor, let's first, I, I forgot to mention, we are recording on Sunday, June 12th. And this podcast will be aired on most likely Tuesday, the 14th, which is flag day. To stay on this topic a little bit, and you know, we do always say at the end of the show, you know, we read the comments that our listeners put on Apple podcasts or other places, and mostly they're positive, except when they were complaining about the technical matters. But here's one that a guy gave you four stars and it has to do a little bit what we were just talking about. It's from Denbo44. It's called Tweetophobia. Quote, does Victor really think Trump wasn't reelected because of his tweets? He says this enough that a reasonable person might conclude he actually believes it. He also makes repeated claims that the January 6th police right was some actual insurrection. Meanwhile, he has no idea it was as carefully and deliberately planned by the same party carrying out the Stalin a show trial being held in a room that uh, very closely resembles the one from the late the 30s USSR. Maybe it's just posing for the Stanford faculty. You do that all the time, Victor. You pose for those guys. I don't know. I didn't kids. know you were going to read that. And I had just said this was a show trial. Right. And exactly. So, right. and I explained, right. I just explained why. But what do I think the January 6th thing was? Well, I think it was a lot of the yeah. hardcore base that was angry about the optics of the election when all of these states, the way that the returns came in where Trump was way ahead and then all of a sudden late in the surge. And it was just, no one could explain how this was possible. They were very upset that these blue states that had flipped red in 2016 were flipping back. And they right. felt that the, they had been warned that the voting laws had been changed often against the wills of the legislature, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. That was what people were angry about. They had a perfect right to you know, demonstrate. They don't have a right to go inside the Capitol building when it's closed to the public. Were they insurrectious? No. Insurrections have plans. Right. They have weapons. They try to do terrible things. These, If you look at the guy with the horns and what they did, they were, I don't know, they were buffoons. Yeah. A lot of them were. And they desecrated the House chambers. And, and I, there's no excuse for that. And those should be prosecuted. But what Meredith Garland is doing and going after hundreds of these people, many of them in solitary confinement, many of them with indeterminate confinement without having charges brought against them. Many of them were simply at the barricades or they were trespassing. If you compare that 
with occupying downtown Seattle and walking around with a semi-automatic weapon, right. like the Chaz people did, or torching a federal courthouse or a precinct, or burning the St. John's Historical Church, or those two fire bombers who tried to kill New York policemen. If you compare any of that, there's no justice in the world. So this is a show trial, and I understand that. But at some point, the Republicans have to say, we don't have an opposition party more, Jack. These people are not Democrats. They're not progressive. These are hardcore leftists. They're incapable of governing. And it's our responsibility. We have no margin of error anymore. The media hates us. Professional sports hate us. Popular culture hates us. The university hates us. K-12 administrators and teachers hate us. The corporations hate us. Wall Street hates us. Silicon Valley. They have enormous power, but they don't have the people. They right. don't have 51%. So we're going to lead this country and we're going to restore it. But we don't have time to replay again and again and again. However, and I've said this a lot of times with you, Jack, we're not going to forget how asymmetrical things are going to be. And we want to warn everybody, if you're going to vote for us and you better vote for us because you don't have a choice. There's not going there's going to be some new rules that the Democrats inaugurated that they're not going to like when they boomerang. And believe me, AOC is not going to be on a committee for a year, mm -hmm. just the way that Jim Jordan was kicked off the January 6th committee. She's not going to be on it. And we want to know we want to send a warning out to Hunter Biden and the Biden family. We're going to find out if you were given special IRS treatment, and you made a lot of money, and some of it was funneled to the president, and it was not taxable. We want to warn you about that. And we're going to investigate a number of things. We're going to see who was charged and who was not charged in the summer 2020, especially June and July, as they focused on the Capitol. And we're going to call in Kamala Harris, and we're going to ask her exactly what she meant when she said these riots are not going to end. We're going to ask her that. And did she have information? We're going to subpoena and we're going to do that. We're going to warn everybody, don't vote for us unless you want that. Right. And so we're going to be tough, but that's not going to be the center of what we're going to do. We're going to drill, baby, drill. We are going to get this inflation. We're going to crack inflation. It's not going to be pretty. And we're going to be the party of fiscal responsibility. There's not going to be any more trillion dollars for the next deficits for the next 10 years away that the congressional budget office, oh, it's, it's not inevitable. We're not going to send out checks to people to stay home anymore. And that's what he needs to do. And I think right. they can do it. Victor, I'm not beating a dead horse here, but just maybe one last comment on this particular tweetophobia comment. I do think it's f fair to say that in a close election, any factor is the difference. And it was a close election, right? How many? Was it 70,000 votes here and there? Donald Trump would have prevailed. I do think his tweeting, which we've talked about in the past, complained about, particularly in the middle of 2020, when he spent a week where America is like upset, what the hell's going on? Business is closing, losing my job. What's this thing killing my mother in the nursing home, COVID, et cetera, et cetera. And he spent a week tweeting about Joe Scarborough murdered his, you know, no, staff know. or something. And I think things like that turned off people who did either voted for Joe Biden or sat it out. And his, so tweeting his tweeting has had negative uh, consequences, maybe even his presidency. So I agree. And I have voiced that to the highest people 
in the White House. Yeah. I have voiced that. I'm on record. I'm not going to name names, but I, and I've never volunteered that. I have been asked that. Right. And as an independent observer, I said, I'm not going to get involved in your strategies or anything. But if you ask me my opinion and you want it just unfiltered, this is hurting you because people like you and I, Jack, that live sort of with the middle classes and less middle classes, we understand that language and we understand tit for tat. But a lot of people, really good people, don't like that and they are on our side. And they get sensitive about it. And that feeds this left-wing monstrosity in the media. And so he's got to have discipline, discipline. The idea right. that the president of the United States, any president of the United States tweets without a filter to correct grammar or expression is just, it's lunatic. So what I'm getting at is I can't think of a president that had greater primordial instincts about human nature than Donald Trump. He understood Chi. He understood Putin, he understood the North Koreans, he understood the Iranians, he understood Obrador. Right. He, he read Obrador like a clock. Right. That guy hates Biden. He thinks Biden is a joke and he's humiliating Biden. And he's turned his country over as far as U.S. policy on the border to the cartels and the Chinese producing fentanyl. Mm -hmm. And Trump scared the crap out of him. And he did not want to lose NAFTA. He did not want uh, 10% tax on remittances. He did not want all, and he was going to get it. And so he cooperated in the border. So Trump did that. Right. And so that's what Trump needs to, Trump just needs to say, I'm so busy that I am not going to get involved with this social media tit for tat. And he's got to start now because he is losing. Uh, he should be 80% of the 90%. But what he's doing is, he is creating a landscape, Jack, in which there's going to be a couple of, if I could use this inappropriate term, suicide candidates on the Republican side. And they're going to be of more stature than Chris Christie. And they're going to put their hat in the ring and they're not going to win. But their point will be to attack him on what we've talked about again and again and again and again to weaken him. So then a major candidate can come in if he if he hemorrhages. And that's not going to be good for the party. And he needs to decide if he's going to run, he's got to consult people. And anybody that is surrounding Donald Trump right now and is engaged in this political selling, of, I'm not saying literally selling, but this endorsement game right. where they go into a race and they pick the candidate who they think best represents Trump on the basis of they're working for him. They have an innate conflict of interest. And they, anybody who's ever done the following, I am going to advise your campaign in Pennsylvania or Arizona or whatever. And I can right. guarantee you Trump listens to me and not the other guy's advisors. So if you pay me this amount of money, I will get you his endorsement. If that's going on and there's rumors that it is, he's got to stop that. Yeah. Well, I can imagine who. Well, Victor, the January 6th hearings, which again occurred last week uh, in second full week in June was supposed to be the focus of the media and nothing else was to get in the way of this uh, focus on uh, Republican alleged violence, conservative violence, and then an act of near act of violence almost happened. There was an assassin assassination threat against Justice Brett Kavanaugh. And we're going to talk about that 
right after these important messages. Have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and veggies may actually lower, lower your risk of cancer. Hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. If not, you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is found in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. Will Field of Greens prevent, treat, or cure cancer? No, but it's so powerful, it promises at your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or your money back. I got you 15% off and free rush shipping. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code VICTOR, V-I-C-T-O-R, for your discount. That's promo code VICTOR at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show recording on Sunday, June 12th. This show will be up on the World Wide Webs on Tuesday, the 14th. Victor has a website, victorhanson.com. I heartily recommend to our listeners to visit it and subscribe to it because Victor writes a tremendous amount of original content that can only be read there. And by tremendous, I mean tremendous in volume and tremendous in wisdom. There are a couple of pieces. We're going to talk about them, Victor. I think on the next podcast, we record America on the Razor's Edge, and you wrote one about the subordinate citizen, just terrific stuff. So that's victorhanson.com. Subscription is $5 a month. Do it once. Pay the five bucks. Test it out. You'll love it. And a full year, very discounted, $50 for the year. As for me, Jack Fowler, little old Jack Fowler, civilthoughts.com. Go there. Sign up for the free weekly newsletter I write. Just a dozen recommended readings, no strings attached, no risk. And I write that for the Center for Civil Society at American Philanthropic, and we're trying to save uh, and strengthen civil society. So, Victor, yeah, Justice Kavanaugh was almost the victim of a, an assassination. Why? Somebody, some loon, uh, although clear and why he was motivated, he motivated by uh, Roe v. Wade, the possibility that Roe v. Wade might be overturned, the abortion, the terrible abortion decision from the early 70s. Two things, Victor, that disrupted, uh, should have disrupted the overwhelming media focus on the January 6th primetime hearings. And it might have for maybe, I don't know, half a day. It didn't seem to ha even have its own news cycle. And we'll do play the game, even though it's not a game. It's if somebody had tried to threaten an assassination or kill Justice Sotomayor or Justice Kagan, 
it, 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 we'd still be talking about it 24 hours today. I don't know if you remember, Victor, long, long time ago, uh, I think it was mid 80s, a stray bullet went through the window of Justice Harry Blackman's. Uh, I do remember that. And of course, it was a pro-lifer trying to trying to snipe and kill him. And it was a stray bullet from some lunatic target practice. But but the news overwhelming for weeks was pro-lifers or abortion foes trying to kill a Supreme Court justice. We have an abortion advocate trying to kill a Supreme Court justice, and it's uh, item number 25 on CNN's uh, news, and it's on page 20 of the New York Times. So, Victor, I'd like you to talk about that, but also if you want to bring in what you mentioned before, the Department of Justice wanting to lighten sentences for these uh, two firebombing lawyers, New York City, during the riots, these two lawyers, uh, you know, they firebomb police cars and uh, the DOJ wants to get them light sentences. So we just have this perverse approach towards personal security. There's a House bill to protect Supreme Court justices. Senate passed the bill and it's been sitting in the House. Why? Because uh, AOC wants to block it. Meanwhile, again, our Justice Department is looking for parents. They're trying to lighten the cases, the sentences for true criminals. It's just, uh, it's nuts. Victor, your thoughts about Kavanaugh et yeah. al. Well, there's about two, two or three issues here. First of all, as our former colleague Andrew McCarthy has pointed out very lucidly, there are statutes, federal statutes that prevent people from going to the homes of Supreme Court justices to intimidate them. In every state, I'm speaking as a my mother was a Fresno County Superior Court judge and one of the first women state appellate court judges. And I can tell you that there are statutes against people threatening a judge about pending cases. It's a serious obstruction of justice, even offense. Same thing with prosecutors. They don't care about that. So they're violating a statute and Merrick Garland deliberately will not prosecute them who go to the homes and try to disrupt the the life of a Supreme Court justice with the intention to so intimidate them that they have to make a decision. Do I want to do this for the rest of my life and put my family in danger? Do I, or do I just pass on this and vote present and I don't have to get involved with these people? That's what the point is. And he knows it. And he is green lighting those demonstrations because he wants to preserve Roe versus Wade, Merrick Garland and Joe Biden. So that's the first thing. It's illegal what they're doing. The second thing is, this is a pattern, and it's innate to the left-wing mentality throughout history. We are so morally superior because we be, believe in equity. That is a quality of result, not of opportunity. And because we're so much better and so much more moral, we get exemptions in our behavior. We have to do certain things that the ends will justify our means. And so look at what's going on. I mean, they shoot Steve, that crazy Mr. Hodkinson, who was an outright left-wing Bernie Sanders person, basically crippled Steve Scalise and made his life miserable and tried to kill a lot of other people. And there was no discussion of the politics. It wasn't like, remember Sarah Palin? She had something that had a target and they said, wow, she's inciting violence. And they blamed her for Gabby Giffords and everything. It wasn't like that. It was direct, a direct political operative of the left. And no one said a word. Rand Paul, there was a dispute over 
trash that he piled near the property. But that crazy book or whatever his name was, was a left wing nut. And he destroyed Rand Paul's health. I mean, the guy had repeated bouts of pneumonia. He had operation. I think they even took part of his lung out. Nobody said we've got, and then, you know, to think that you'd be careful about that after, remember after Trump's, I think, State of the Union piece, that mob tried to rush him and his wife as he walked out of the Capitol. Right, right. No one said a word. No one said a word. No one said a word when Chuck Schumer said, you know, you have sowed the wind and you are going to reap the whirlwind and you better, Baba. What did he mean by that? What exactly did he mean by you're going to pay the price? Nobody knows what he means. Is that what we're saying? We know what he meant. He was at the doors of the Supreme Court. He was telling Gorsuch and Kavanaugh that we are going to make your life miserable if you vote in a way that we don't wish. This was, you know, who's now the Senate majority leader. And no one said a word. And so what I'm getting at is this behavior is mainstream because the left feels that they're not subject to the same rules that other people have to play by. The second thing is this asymmetry of justice. This is what is driving people crazy. I wrote a column about it. They can't figure out, Jack, why until Sunday when they come into the country, They've got to spend money to get tested. Very likelihood, if they test positive, they're going to be out thousands of dollars in Britain or France or my group in Israel that we came back in. If they have to get extra accommodations, food, change your tickets. And yet there's two million people in the past and right now, thousands who are going to go across the border as they are, but they're not going to be tested. No one's going to ask their vaccination stand. They're not going to ask anything. Is that what we want to do is treat foreign nationals better than citizen? What was the about the symmetry and the application of the law? Why is Merrick Garland? Why is he arresting James O'Keefe or at least harassing them because of a diary of the Biden family and making him go out in the hallway with his underwear? Why did he call a SWAT team after various Republican, you know, operatives? Why did he handcuff Peter Navarro? Why do they don't do that? Why don't they do that to Eric Holder? Why do they go after the parents in school board meetings? Why are this? And we talked about the two fire bombers in New York. Why don't they go after them in the way that they go after somebody in solitary confinement who never had a weapon, who never did a violent act, but was guilty for entering the Capitol? And so when you're telling the American people, all you guys out there who play by the rules, the rules are against you. They're not going to play by the rules anymore. And that's what's scary. So you've got to restore a blind justice. And this administration of all the administrations that I've ever witnessed, the Nixon administration, the Obama administration was egregious in this matter of asymmetry. They don't believe in blind justice. They use the DOJ to apply a different standard of justice against their political enemies. Everybody knows it. The left cackles and glee about it. But if they continue to do it, it's going to boomerang on them. It really is. And at some point, people are going to say, you can't continue to do this. And we saw it with the Mueller investigation how asymmetrical that was. We saw it with Lisa Page and Peter Strzok. We saw the asymmetrical treatment accorded 
Papadop, George Papadopoulos is put in jail for 14 days for giving false information supposedly to a federal official, an FBI, and, and the acting director, Andrew McKay, three occasions, zilch for doing the same thing, right. misleading federal investigators. James Comey, 245 times claiming he had amnesia before a House Intelligence Committee. John Brennan, two times lying under oath, admittedly to a Senate committee, James Clapper admittedly lying under oath to a Senate committee and nothing, nothing. Robert Mueller basically lying by claiming he was, I guess, amnesia when he didn't know what the steel dossier or fusion GPS were right. after 22 months. So if they're going to be given exemptions and then you're going to go after people and try to humiliate them like they did Navarro for what? For doing what Eric Holder did, who's attorney general for not complying with a House subpoena. Right. So people are, are getting very angry about this. And when they look at that May to August 2020 riot, and they see 14,000 people, $2 billion in damages, 1,500 police officers arrested, 38 people killed, and they compare that carnage. And it did, it was an assault on federal buildings and federal authority and federal statutes. They went after a federal courthouse. They went after a municipal police precinct. They were trying to get into the White House grounds and into the White House. It was analogous to the Capitol, but much more severe. And when they look at what happened to those people and how they were lightly treated, it's intolerable. It has to stop because we're becoming a third world country. And if all of you are out there, if you're left wing or Democrat, and I get I get a lot of people who accost me that listen to this that are left wing. If you want to have the preservation of this country, you're going to have to insist on an equal application of the law. And if you don't, we've lost this country. And that's one of the big things that Trump has to do. They've got to get a disinterested DOJ that doesn't use right. politics. The Biden family has been the most corrupt family in American politics of the last 50 years. Mm -hmm. It's highly ironic because the people who are defending his criminality, whether it's Ukraine or whether it's China or the various machinations of Hunter Biden or the use of the FBI as a retrieval service for missing diaries and laptops. These are the same people who want to go after Donald Trump ad nauseum. And so they've got to stop it because yeah. it's going to ruin this country. Victor, the piece you cited before, I mentioned it, mistakenly mentioned it, it was an ultra piece on the website. It is on the website, but you wrote this for American Greatness. It's called The Subordinate Citizen, and it includes many of the things you just discussed. So recommend our listeners visit either your website or the American Greatness website to see that piece. And you wrote here very briefly, you wrote uh, about the asymmetries. We have developed entire classes of American elite citizens who are not subject to the enforcement of the law, at least as it is applied to others, either less influential or ideologically incorrect. And you end uh, this, it's a terrific piece about one reason why voters are furious, is how you end it, is rarely expressed. Americans feel that ordinary citizens like themselves who follow the rules are treated more harshly by their own government than are both non-citizens and our own progressive elites, and they are right, and they are angry, and we will hear from them very soon. So it's a terrific piece, Victor. 
I will say got, uh, the reason sure. you got confused is, you know, I write a column that comes out on Thursday, Wednesday night for Tribune Content Agency. I've done it for 20 years. And then American Greatness picks that up as the first of the subscribers. And I write a longer 17 to 2000 word essay every weekend appears Monday morning, but they used to be picked up by real clear politics. I don't know what's happened, but you really can't find them on the real clear politics site, at least with the frequency you used to. So I would remind everybody, you have to go to the website. If you don't go to American greatness or one of the 40 or so newspapers or websites that pick up the syndicated column, because they don't seem to appear in real clear politics at at least in the way they did. And I don't know why, but they haven't been. Maybe they oh. haven't been as popular. Well, I don't know about that. Maybe we should uh, ring uh, David DeRoge's bell and see, see what David has to say about that. Let's get them back up on real clear. Hey, Victor, we have time for one more uh, discussion. We were just talking about how furious people are and they've fed up and doing something about it. And there was a case of that uh, last week in San Francisco, of all places, where the lefty DA got recalled. And let's talk about that and San Francisco right after these important messages. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show, recording on Sunday, June 12th. This is being broadcast on the 14th, Tuesday the 14th. You'll find all the podcasts on Victor's website, victorhanson.com. But our home, our official home is John Solomon's Just the News, justthenews.com. So you can check that out too. So Victor, somebody wrote about the DA Bowden as a public defender, really a public defender who was masquerading as a prosecutor. And I think that's pretty much nailed it. And the citizens of San Francisco, lefty, lefty San Francisco, were so fed up by his uh, inability or refusal to arrest people and prosecute people that he was recalled. And that happened this week by a 60-40 margin. Of course, the reason why he was recalled is still lost to him and to Democrats who have not found any lessons from this thumping in its most central city in America. So, Victor, we have that. If you want to talk about that, that recall and what it means and maybe the denseness of Democrats and progressives to learn from it. And then also you had mentioned to me before the, a podcast that there was an interesting piece in The Atlantic 
by uh, Nellie Bowles about San Francisco being a failed city. So we have that. We have its DA being recalled. Victor, have at it. Well, Mr. Boudin's angry. He said right-wing billionaires, and that's very ironic, finances demise when it was a popular grassroots effort by progressives. And if there was anybody who's been the beneficiary of Soros money, it's him, although it was disguised and rerouted through about two different packs, but it initially came from Soros and then it came into his coffers. He's a disreputable scoundrel and his critical legal theory was that laws are constructs created by wealthy white oppressors. And therefore it's his job who is not a legislator, by the way, and is not in charge of making laws, but he did make them by ignoring them. And so what happened in San Francisco was at some critical mass, and I think we hit that somewhere around Christmas time, people who were left wing, all Biden voters essentially said, I am now living the consequences of my own ideology. Now, these are not the politicians. Remember, Jack, how it works in California. The people who created open borders, no energy, brownouts, water shortages, homeless epidemics, terrible schools, highest taxes in the country. Where are they now? Well, Barbara Boxers and Rancho Mirage and Diane Feinstein, I think, is in Presidio Heights, but she may have just sold her $40 million Tahoe estate. Jerry Brown is ensconced in his Grass Valley enclave. I think maybe readers or listeners can correct me. Gavin Newsom may have sold his multi-million dollar Kentfield mansion, but you get the point. Nancy Pelosi still has her Napa Italian Palazzo. These people are never subject to the consequences of their own ideology. If Nancy Pelosi had three children in the L.A. school district or if Barbara Boxer lived in a middle class working suburb of Stockton or Modesto, or whether if Jerry Brown had to get into a Honda Civic and and go down the 99 parallel to the Stonehenge unfinished mass transit that he greenlighted and had to risk his life on the 99 freeway, then this wouldn't have happened. And so Boudin is now suffering that it's not the very wealthy. They're still foreign because they still have their security patrols, their private academies for their kids et cetera, et cetera. They don't care about inflation. They don't care about gas prices. They're Silicon Valley wealthy, but it was the upper middle class and the middle class, the Asian community that voted overwhelmingly in San Francisco against Trump, buying the line that he was this Chinese racist. They began to see that there was an epidemic of hate crimes and they were directed at Asian Americans, and they were often perpetuated by African American males, for example, and there were not consequences. There were hit and run, smash and grab, carjackings, and the perpetrators were either out on bail or had been released from incarceration for prior felonies or would not be facing the full extent of the law under the Boudin prosecutorial office. So they got anger, and then there was a force multiplying effect Jack, is that they, they, the people who were progressive, said, this can't go on. What can't go on will not go on. I cannot walk downtown. 
there are people defecating, fornicating, and urinating on the sidewalk. There is feces in the air. The feces go into the storm drains. They pollute the bay. This is dangerous. I cannot park my car. I know that somebody will break into it, and I know the police will do nothing. And if they do anything, Budin's office will do nothing. I don't feel safe. I can't walk around. Go look at all of those stores. I was in San Francisco not too long ago. They're boarded up. This vibrant city is being destroyed. People are leaving it. They've got an epidemic of empty office space. People do not want to live there. And they don't know what to do because they have a huge financial investments in their real estate. And so the people who voted for this, Jack, said, I'm a victim of my own ideology. And I've got to back off. And this prompted this Atlantic essay by Nellie Bowles, who said, you know, it's basically is San Francisco becoming a failed city. And she's a progressive and she details basically it is. And then she tries to deal with the left wing criticism. Well, these white supremacists did this and it's unfair and they're waging war in racist fashion. And she says, no, the people who objected were not right-wing billionaires. They were grassroots progressives of the Asian community in particular, but also professionals that said that my life can't go on. It's not safe. It's not healthy. It's toxic in this city. And then she says, and this can be a re- this can be changed. I don't think it can be changed because this was a, I don't think any of those people who voted to recall the district attorney have a sustained view of what the ideology is that created him in their own hearts. You see what I mean? I think as soon as you get a new DA that starts to prosecute people and send them to jail, they're not going to be, the system is so utterly corrupt. I don't think they're going to, I don't think one DA could do it. I don't think they have it within themselves to restore mental hospitals and put these people in mental hospitals like we used to do in California. Right. They should just all just take a deep breath and watch a movie like 48 Hours or Vertigo. You know, what San Francisco, just clips of of real life on the streets, what it was like in the 1950s or even the supposed early 80s, late 70s when it was supposed to be at its nadir. And you look at those scenes, it's just unimaginable that what, what San Francisco, what people were doing then, they were normal. And the streets were not filthy and they were not stepping over fornicators and defecators and they were not having signs in their car, nothing in here, windows down, don't, please don't smash. That didn't happen. Right. And so for everybody to understand what's going on, they have to be a physician and say, these are the symptoms. This is the diagnosis. This is the treatment. And this is the prognosis. And they've got to say, we had a flawed worldview. We were so wealthy and pampered when we had $6 trillion of market capitalization from Silicon Valley that flooded the city, we thought that our money exempted us from ancient rules of behavior. We didn't have to build reservoirs. We didn't have to worry about the price of electricity. We didn't have to worry about deterrence and crime. We didn't have to worry about public health on the streets. These were things that happened in Dickensian London about 1858, not in our beautiful, you know, Facebook, Google city. And now people are saying, you know what? You can't eat Facebook and you can't right. drive Twitter and you can't live in Google. 
and we've got to go back to basics, but I don't know how long they're going to. Yeah. Victor, we've talked about this a lot of times, but I agree with you, but I think it's more than just that I've got my billions and I don't care how you live. I do think there's some element of, of a desire on the left to torment. Yes. Destroy the middle class. Absolutely. No, I I agree with you. Absolutely. I've written that because they feel the middle class lacks the romance. There's two things going on that explain this pathology and is a pathology. Why somebody who's making $500,000 a year votes to do things that are contrary to the type of system that allowed them to be wealthy, secure, and privileged. And one of them is, uh, as you say, they don't like the swarmy clouds, the deplorable clouds, the clinger crowds, the dregs, the chumps. They all use that term, the crazies. They don't like a guy going up to Tahoe with jet skis. They do not like somebody going down the 101 in a Winnebago. They don't like somebody, you know, having a beer and a big fat steak grilling in their backyard. They don't like somebody driving a club cab pickup. And they feel that they're so annoyed that they're going to stop those people. So they raise taxes on them. They drive them out of state. They regulate them to the death, to death. But they don't have the culture of the, the rich. They don't dress like the rich. Their kitchens don't look like the rich. They don't have that understated elegance like the rich think they have. And they don't have the romance of the distant and not to be seen poor. So that's one thing. The other is, and we've talked about this ad nauseum as well, Jack. It is an indulgence. It is kind of a penance. They feel that wow, I'm a very, very wealthy person that lives in Presidio Heights. I live in Navajo. I live in Woodside. I live in Atherton. And my kids all go to prep school. And I have some very hardworking Latin American maids and landscapers and nannies. I, I do. That's what they think. And I drive a Tesla and I'm privileged. But I'm scared and I don't want to go to the PTA meetings with my maid. I just don't. And I don't want my kids going to a high school with the children of my landscaper. I'm not going to do that. They're going to be branded with that Stanford or Yale brand, and they're going to be put in the fast lane trajectory. And I want to go to Florence. I don't want to go, you know, down to Bakersfield on a weekend. And so they feel terrible, Jack that they're so privileged and they're so refined, but they don't want to give it up. And so if you put your kid in a prep school, then what do you do about schools? You say, you know what? We got to get more teachers unions. We can't have these charter schools. We can't have school choice. And if you have a private security firm that circles your neighborhood in the wee hours while you sleep to protect your family because you don't have confidence in the police in the Bay Area, then you say, you know, I feel kind of bad that this is asymmetrical. So I don't want that guy down there in Modesto to have a handgun, you know, by his bedstand when he's living in a trailer. I just don't want that to happen. So I'll be on record for that. And I'll feel good then that I'm privileged because I'm in the abstract egalitarian and on and on and on. And that's how they do it. We don't want any homeless people up at Pacific Heights. We just don't want them anywhere near us. But because we don't want them anywhere near us, we're not going to allow anybody to take them out of Market Street. So that's how we virtue signal. And that's how they square the circle. And that's been 
part of the pathologies of the left-wing elite throughout history. But this elite, they do what they do because they hate the middle class and they want to destroy it. And they don't care about high prices or flooding the borders. And then secondly, they're in cocoons and we have to suffer from their guilt. And then the corollary, as I always say, and I know people are tired of hearing it, they have created a embryo around them where all of these crackpot theories never affect them. They have. Right. If you just look, I'll just go on one last round. If you look at rant the way I mentioned this about. Just take five or six names of people at the federal or state or municipal level that destroyed California. Jerry Brown in a second term, our two senators, Diane Feinstein and Barbara Boxer, Gavin Newsom as mayor and governor, and Nancy Pelosi as Speaker of the House and minority leader at times in the House. And I mentioned that these people live in places or have lived or do live in Grass Valley or Kentfield or Presidio Heights or Rancho Mirage. Yes, they did that. But, you know, there's a commonality also. I was just thinking of this when I was talking. Think about it. They either played on their name, their name, and the money that accrued from that, Jerry Brown and Pat Brown or Gavin Newsom and the people that he hung around with or the Pelosi family political dynasty that taught them, or they married or inherited huge amounts of money, or they had some nefarious and questionable ties with the Chinese. Barbara Boxer is a lobbyist for a Chinese concern right now. Dianne Feinstein's husband, late husband, tragically, he's gone, but he did make a lot of money, as did Nancy Pelosi's family with uh, deals with the Chinese. And so they're very, what I'm getting at is they either have a brand name or they inherited money or they made a lot of money by virtue of their offices. But whatever the mechanism was, it allowed them to live under circumstances that no 99.9 of their constituents whose lives they directed never could even imagine living the life they did. And that created them a Versailles complex. You know, let them, instead of let them eat cake, let them drive Teslas. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think that Versailles complex sounds like a great title for a a future essay by you, Victor. Hey, that's about all the time we have, my friend. You're terrific today. And clear as a bell. No. Well, thank you. I'm getting, I think this is my start of seven weeks and I am starting, I feel like, I'm starting to sleep and I'm turning the corner. So I'm hoping I feel embarrassed because almost every day somebody calls me or writes me and they say the following check. Hey, by the way, Dr. Hansen, I got your cell phone or email <laughs> and I got COVID and I'm 64 years old and I had a little sniffle and snap. Yeah. And I think, well, there's marathon runners that, that right. autoimmune response. And I try to justify it. Then as soon as I do, another person <laughs> writes and says, well, I had it a week, but it was nothing. But, you know, I had Delta and it was nothing, but you can't explain these things, I guess. Right. They shouldn't do what they do, but they did something and I'm going to beat it. And I'm almost, I think I'm over the hump. Well, maybe you should change your cell phone picture. So you- <laughs> I know it. I've had it for what, I don't know, 30 years. I thought it was private, but once Mark Milley's assistant wrote, called me, some major somebody, and I had written something critical about Milley. Now, it was in the early morning. I think I was in bed, and he called me to whine or once. Can't you explain what you wrote? Or I don't know what it was. So everybody seemed to have it. Yeah. Well, 
My friend, it was great to hear your wisdom today. And I, I just want to say I'm blessed to be able to ask you questions. I hope they're the questions that our listeners would ask if they were on this end of the microphone. So that said, God bless all. And we will be back soon with another episode of the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Bye-bye. Thank, thank you, everybody, for listening and to putting up with my poor mechanics in the past that have that buzz on the microphone. It's like the buzz in my brain. Maybe that's why we didn't hear it, but it's over with, I hope. Thank you. It's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, expert politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey.